there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Jesse Marsh, the American head coach of Red Bull Salzburg. We've had some great interview guests lately, including Serginio Dest, Arlo White, and Brian Schmetzer, along with many others. So check those interviews out. It would be huge for this podcast growth if you could subscribe, recommend us to your friends, and take just a little time to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Now, here's my interview with Jesse Marsh. Our guest now is Jesse Marsh, the coach of Red Bull Salzburg in Austria and the first American to coach in the group stage of UEFA Champions League which he has done the last two seasons. Jesse, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, you should talk about how many times I, I should be like re- repeat guest four <laughs> times, five times. Like, come on. Like, that's, I'm, that's my claim to fame. Great. So we it need is. to, you, we need you to figure pro- out exactly how many times I've been on this podcast and your shows. So I, I think this could be five, six Uh, when you include all my different podcasts over the years. But this is the first time on this particular podcast, Football with Grant Wall, um, which we may change to Football with Grant Wall and fairly regularly Jesse Marsh. Yes. Um, (laughs) Okay, there we go. (laughs) um, Lots to talk about, but I want to start with non-soccer, actually. I know you follow things in the U.S. closely. What are your thoughts on... On the election and the impact it could have for the U.S. domestically and and abroad from what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, in general, what I like the most about seeing Biden's first few speeches is that he really wants to try to bring the country back together. And, And I think this is the most important thing is that clearly we're a divided nation. Right. And and maybe more so than ever. It's always been blue and red, but now it feels like dark navy blue and maroon dark red, right? And and so what I realized living abroad is that in the end, we are all still Americans and our ability, I think, to work together is is still as many differences as we have, the, the, uh, embracing those differences and then finding a way to, to be strong Americans together has always been something that I think has been a big strength of ours and something that I'm very proud of as an American. So... You know, when I even when I see the vaccine and 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 the possibilities from Pfizer and, and America coming up with this solution and and thinking about ways that we can continue to, to build on, on on our identity as being a world leader and, and being at the forefront of so many different things. That's what I want to see. That's what I love to see. And that to me is America. So let's talk about Champions League. Uh, your team has led in all three of its games against Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, and Lokomotiv Moscow. So I can imagine there's at least some frustration that you have one point from those three games. Uh, could you take us through how you've experienced these Champions League games so far this season? Yeah, I mean, in listen, we could even go back to last year, right? And, and I would say now we've played nine group stage matches and we've performed well in every game we've played. Like we've been with the best opponents, we have shown our quality and, and, and been very good, but we have not beaten a big opponent yet, right? So, and like you said, we, we were ahead in all three games this year. So 
that feeling of, of being in the match, late in the game, being very close, and coming up just a little bit short, it's painful. It is incredibly painful. We have to obviously look at the bright side of things and be very proud of our young team. I mean, this team is very young this year, even younger than last year. And, and we have to know that, that we've performed well and, and that we've done a lot of things really, really well. But we also have to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, what are the next steps for us to find a way to get the results when we're right there? Um, listen, a lot of it has to do with experience and cleverness and intelligence on the pitch where when you play against Bayern Munich and you know that it's not just the quality, um, it's the level at which they play and it's the, the ability they have to, to find ways to win. I mean, for me, Thomas Mueller is one of the smartest players I've ever seen in the game. And he's just, he's always got his finger on the pulse of what's happening within the game, what to say to the referee, what to say to his teammates, what to say to the opponent. He's talking with me at halftime and I just, I wanted him to just get away <laughs> because he's like a Jedi. But this is, this is where we are. It's a little bit of the difference of, of having a young, a young club, a young talented team that, that has many possibilities, but turning it into a, a more mature performance and a mature team that can find ways to get results at the highest level. So, um, Again, I'm, I'm very proud and I'm very um, um, satisfied with a lot of things other than the results. I've watched all of these games start to finish in Champions League this year. I mean, the way your team is playing, you're going after Bayern Munich. You're going after Atletico Madrid when you're playing them. Is there some liberation in approaching things that way and not just parking the bus? Well, yes. And I mean, it, to be honest, this is our, we, we say it's our DNA. Right, we, we're, not, we're never gonna play against opponent and sit back. That's not what we do. Now, there's intelligent ways to use tactics so that the game doesn't get too open and that we're not giving the opponent too many chances and um, uh, making it more difficult for ourselves. And we've ma managed to try to do that at different times. But again, when you're, you know, if you give, I, I almost feel like when we become a little bit more passive or if we, if we don't attack as strong as we would like to, that's when we become vulnerable. So, you know, listen, we're always trying to play with tactics, to play with lineups, to play with formations, to think about what our match plan is with the ball, against the ball. What we do with set pieces, that's another area where we haven't done as well this year as we did last year. Um, but again, there's, been, there's, there's way more successes in these games than there are failures. Um, but in the end, it hasn't added up to what it, what it needs to be. We have three more games, right? The, here's the question. Can we learn from our mistakes? Can we learn from some of our failures? And can we get stronger for it quickly and, and then perform even better and with those performances, find ways to get the results. That will be our challenge. It's kind of funny. I was thinking of how I wanted to ask you this. Like, how good is Bayern Munich right now? Like, like what has what Hansi Flick done there? Why do they appear so much better than everyone else right now? Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the things I did is I went back and, and after watching us a couple times, I went back in the game and just watched it from a Bayern perspective. Now, they have a, one of the things they did when they brought in Hansi Flick is they, 
they brought in a Red Bull video analyst, right? And he's now their head video analyst, and I know him well. He actually even came and visited us in New York. And so along with everything else, Hansi Flick and this video analyst brought a, a more um, pressing style of football, a more aggressive style of football, a more direct style of football. Um, and I think then when you talk about the, the tactical adjustments, I've talked to our team before we drew Bayern Munich this year, watching Bayern last year in the final phases of Champions League and when they won, the, won it, it's incredible to see the physical condition of their players. Guys like Goretzka, guys like, even like Thiago, Kimmich, Lewandowski. I mean, those guys have bulked up. They're fitter. They're leaner. They're stronger. Um, they're faster. Alaba, I mean, I could go down the list. And so, you know, they've, they've taken the quality, the football quality that they've had. They've added more physical qualities and more intensive uh, pressing and vertical play qualities. And then they've built in this incredible mentality that, that Bayern has had for years um, to, to find ways to push the limits at which they do things. So, you know, I've said a lot leading up to the, the game against them that they have no weaknesses. I believe that. I believe that. Um, but at the same time, we were able to play our version of our football and still show that we can be successful against the best team in the world. And maybe what I think might be the best team since, Pep's, uh, since Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. So losing is tough, especially 6-2. It's not reflective of what the game was. But at the same time, um, a lot of the things that we value and a lot of the things that we do held up in that game. You've got three Champions League group stage games left. Two of them are on the road. You need points. How do you go about trying to get them? Do you play any differently than you have in the previous games? Well, so I think Bayern in München is is probably like a bonus game. If we can get any points out of that game, it, it sets us up to, to do well. Um, and then basically we have to win in Moscow and we have to win at home again Atletico and we have to hope that Bayern wins out. Um, I think that those, the, 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 the probability of Bayern winning out in Madrid won't be easy because Madrid is still playing really good football and, and uh, in third place right now in, in La Liga. Um, but Bayern is really good. Um, so that means that, you know, we have to, it comes down to really two games for us if we can perform well in those two games that we give ourselves a chance. And again, going into Bayern, I think we have to play again with, with discipline and concentration, but freedom and aggressiveness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we knew from the beginning it was not going to be easy in this group. And we drew, I, I fully believe this is the hardest group. Um, we've made it only harder for ourselves. <laughs> but again, we will, we will play aggressively. We will play our football. We will play with our self-belief and we will go after it. You know, we're speaking on the first Wednesday of the international break. We're coming out on Monday. So in a few days here. Um, and... There's still a lot of national team games going on right now. UEFA has packed a lot of games into a short window, the last two windows. And obviously the club schedule is packed over a period of months due to the virus. Are there too many games happening right now? Yes. <laughs> it's incredibly intense, right? Preparing and then playing and preparing and playing playing. Players don't get enough training time, so then they're almost only playing in games. And, and then, you know, the, that, that preparation from a quality perspective and from a physical perspective often is a, is a major stress. Um, you know, 
so in every way, it's incredibly intense. But in other ways, I love it. Like, you know, it's, there's not too much time to dwell on successes or failures. You have to make quick adjustments. You have to always be thinking on your feet. Um, you have to be always ready for the next challenge. Um, it brings out the best, maybe sometimes the worst. I like to think it brings out the best in me personally because it keeps me pushing. It keeps me adjusting. It keeps me thinking. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's, it's not the easiest, but at the same time, um, if you're a football guy, if you love this, uh, it, it's fantastic. And, and being here in Europe and getting the chance to, to play in these different games and, and, and also try to be dominant in our league has been great. And it's certainly much better than the alternative of not playing or when the lockdown was. And that's still a fear. You know, I mean, we're really happy everywhere to hear about the vaccine, but things are getting worse here in, in Europe like they are back home in the U.S. So there's always the question of will there be a permanent or a more uh, stricter lockdown than, there, than there's been in the last weeks. But in the end, we're happy to be working. We have to always be careful with the virus. We're testing all the time. It's always a little bit strange. We have to be innovative in a lot of different ways from everything from training to to how we are, are adapting with, with different results. But, but this, this makes you good. I believe that. It makes you good. There's a lot of excitement here in the U.S. around 20-year-old attacking midfielder Brendan Aronson of Philadelphia, who's joining Salzburg in January. What do you like about Aronson? What are areas you plan to work on with him? And, and what are his chances of getting playing time when he arrives in the new year? Well, first, you know, the, the first time I spoke to him, it was like talking to a man, you know, and, 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 and listen, he's 20, you know, you, you don't always expect that. I wasn't sure. I spoke to Jim Curtin about him and Jim had always uh, really high uh, things to say about him and, and that he was very mature. Um, but personality winds up being a big piece of the puzzle of, of why players are good. Like it was like that with Tyler Adams. The first time I spoke to Tyler, he was 15 and I'm looking at a baby face where the kid looks like he's 10, but the way he talks, it's like talking to a 30 year old man. Right. So right away, I was like from watching him play and then having a conversation with him, it was like, OK, we've got something here. And I think that that's the same with with Brendan. Clearly, his work ethic on the pitch, his ability to play against the ball, his his uh, willingness to do anything for the team, um, his clean cleanliness in, in tight spaces with the ball, his vision of seeing plays forward, his, his desire to be aggressive, to play vertically, to, to want to make a difference in a game. I think that's for another thing for a young player sets him apart from a lot of other players that you watch play in MLS and certainly even with the Philadelphia Union. And then, yeah, I think um, he will play here. You know, because of those things, I think he'll adapt quickly. You know, certainly having an American coach and someone who is vested, has vested interest in him doing well, I think will help him. But he doesn't need much. And I would say this about Tyler when Tyler came. Uh, yeah, of course, it was helpful that I was in Leipzig when Tyler came. But Tyler didn't, doesn't need me. I don't think Brendan needs me either. But, but I will certainly help him adapt quickly to what we do here, and I'll be more than willing to give him opportunities to establish himself. And I think he can really help our team from the start. So, And then, you know, I mean, I, obviously everyone says about him that can he put together more of the final plays? Can he score more goals, assists? And, but when you watch Philly, he's a part of almost every attack, good attacking play that, he, that they have. So 
the, the, the part about more goals and assistance, that will all come because he's so, he works so hard to put, him in, put himself in good spots. His mentality is so sharp. His commitment to learn and get better is so good. It's only a matter of time. So it, it'll just be about integrating me into our group and then having him adapt to the level and pushing him every day to, be, to get better and better. Last season, you lost two of your top players, Holland and Minamino, in January. Are, are you expecting to lose players in January again this season? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the reality is that a guy like Dominic Schoboschlei is likely to, to have many suitors this winter. Um, he's an incredible talent. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I say this about this. When, when you coach young players, you have to love them and love the fact that they're going to move on and love that they're going to have big opportunities to prove themselves and show how good they are. Like if you're only worried about how it affects your success, then you're not really going to ever be effective at, at, at coaching and leading young people. So with a guy like Dominic, I mean, I want him to show everybody in the world how good he is. He's, he's, playing, he's so excited to play with the national team this break. I think he's, he's the hope of Hungary right now. And I think the kid has such a bright future, has such a strong mentality, is so talented. So it's same with Erling. Like, we're just, we're so proud to play a small part in, in the lives of these young men. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect, you know, let's see what happens. But, but I would be, be surprised if he winds up staying past winter. And then, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. We have, we have other guys like Pats and Daka, Enek Moepu, Seiku Koita, Mohamed Kamara, um, Max Vuber, Rasmus Christensen. I, I could go d- down the list. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we, we, we play with teenagers, you know. And, and, of course, when they do well, then, then a lot of clubs get really excited. Taking a quick break from my Jesse Marsh interview, this episode is brought to you by a streaming service I use that I love. It's called Fanatis with a Z, and you can watch all the action in Spain's La Liga and other international leagues and tournaments live and on demand from your favorite device, whether it's a mobile phone, tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch the top leagues from France, Portugal, Brazil, and Argentina. Plus, Fanatis has the Copa Libertadores with some terrific round of 16 matchups starting soon. Fanatis features channels you know, like Be in Sports in English and Spanish, Goal TV, and many more. And it only costs $7.99 a month. On Tuesday, Fanatis also has pay-per-view broadcasts of the intense Ball Qatar 22 qualifiers, which for me are the most entertaining qualifiers on the planet. If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or going to fntz.co slash grant fz. One more time, that's fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Now, back to my interview with Jesse Marsh. It's fascinating because I remember when you had first taken the job and you, I think we had you on our one of our Sports Illustrated video shows and you said to us, like, we've got 
25 Tyler Adams is on this team, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. And that's kind of been the case. It's It's been fun for me to sort of watch your team a lot more since then and see not just how you guys play, but how the the system there and the recruitment of these young, very talented, very promising players works. It's possible to do this. I, I How? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, one of the beauties here at Red Bull, okay, it's not just Salzburg. We could say New York. We could, you know, we could talk about a lot of places. Um, but with our philosophy of thinking is the key is that everybody understands what our identity is and what we're trying to achieve. And it seems so simple to say that, right? Of course. Yes, of course. But the actual ability to execute the plan at all the different levels is what makes us good. From scouting to the academy to, to trainers to scouts to physiotherapists to athletic trainers to goalkeeper trainers, you know, and then obviously to the players. Leafering right now, our, our cooperation club, you know, almost like our second team, they're top of the league in the second division right now and they're killing teams. And, and there's a crop of players in that team that are 17, 18 years old, that are the next generation of players that are gonna be here at Salzburg that are gonna take this club to the next level. Um, and this is what we do, right? It's part, it's part the expertise of all the people involved and then it's the playing style of basically training players to think and play faster than they are comfortable with. That is at the core of what we do. Then we build in the tactical systems and how you know, vertically what we try to do and all these things. But at the core of it is we are constantly putting players in over their level on a daily basis by the type of training we create and the types of ways that we play. So this speed creates, especially with young players, this natural development, this natural growth. And then if you add the mentality and the, the commitment and the psychology of what we think is important to be successful, then you just see them blossom. Right. And, and you create a foundation for them to, to grow and get better and understand what this business is and how to be successful. So and it's you know, I mean, listen, that's that's been even for me as a coach, I think um, I've been able to take the things that I've learned in life and in football and apply them to this philosophy and identity. And it's fit so incredibly well that the people inside of Red Bull have believed that I'm the right, this American guy who didn't know German is the right guy to introduce into what we're doing at the highest levels here in Europe. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. Um, and, and it's really fun to see how my mentality and my idea of the world has actually benefited the, the philosophy in, in ways that are maybe different than the way that the Germans, a lot of the Germans and Austrians have been a part of it. Well, so, I mean yeah, that was a question I have is, is like, have you, you've been there a while now. So like, have you learned that the, um, wh whatever the American style is or an American style and American coaching techniques, is there actually something different there that can be different in a good way and, and beneficial? Yeah. Yes. And here's at the, it's simply, I can simply state it as it's American arrogance. <laughs> uh, let me break it down a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> um, but uh, quite honest, I mean, this is, this is why a lot of the young Americans 
players succeed when they come to Germany is their grit and their self-belief and their determination sets them apart, right? And I believe that about me. It's, I'm, I'm not a negative thinker. I'm a positive thinker. I believe that I can make things happen. I believe that we will as a group achieve. Like a big thing was all summer and, and even in the, in the spring when we were working our way toward the championship, I talked constantly about our goal is we are going back to Champions League next year. Right, and we had to play in, and we had to go through qualifiers, and that had never been done here. And and here, it's almost like they're afraid to say these things because if they fail, then they're they're worried that they'll get criticized. Where, like, I'm sort of dumb enough to think that it doesn't matter. Like, our goal is to make Champions League. Then we have to talk about it, and we have to constantly, every day, think about what does the work need to be in order to strive to get to our ultimate goals. Right, and so. I believe that this mentality has, has enhanced what we do here. Um, you know, I'm sure I've brought in some negative things that, that have gotten in the way of other things that we do, but, but I've also adapted to the way that, that we do things here and I've learned and I've, I've tried to incorporate what people here think is important into who I am and the same thing that I did in Leipzig. And so adaptability, flexibility, but total belief, total self-belief. And, and again, let's go back to the first part arrogance right that that like why i should never i shouldn't be thinking that we can beat bayern munich <laughs> that's just that just shouldn't exist but i do believe that i believe we can on the day be better than them and i believe that we can beat them it will take an incredible effort but that's again that's the american i think belief system i'm a words guy and i kind of love recently how the word arrogance has taken on in a few different contexts, I'm noticing, sort of a positive aspect. Like Roberto Martinez on CBS, who's doing a terrific job sort of explaining the game from a coach's perspective, a tactical perspective to the American television audience, also uses the word arrogance in talking about how a team plays. And it's a positive, which is interesting. For sure in German, if the word is arrogance, for sure in German, it is not interpreted as positive. <laughs> uh, oh, shoot. Got a few more questions here. Appreciate you taking this much time. Um, I've gotten asked a lot recently about what's happening with American soccer with young American players now contributing regularly at Chelsea, Juventus, Barcelona, Dortmund, Leipzig. When people ask you what's happening to cause that, what do you say? I think it's um, a combination of uh, better youth football in our country, um, more scouting, global scouting taking place, where, and, and, and now we're more uh, scouts from Europe have a better pulse on, on who are the good players in Europe and what, or I mean in America and what's happening at home. Um, and then that leading more and more, that, like we're building off the successes of Clint Dempsey, of Brian McBride, of Brad Friedel, of, you know, and, it, and it's been a slow process, but I, I think that with those guys, you know, let's just take Clint Dempsey, like Clint, Clint Dempsey's arrogance, self-belief, like led him to, to do big things in Europe and be a, become an incredibly good player. And I, and I think that along with his determination and work ethic and, and those things, 
Now, when these young players come and they can see the grittiness, they can see the relentlessness, they can see the attitude. This is important. In Europe, if players don't play, they get sour. They get really sour, right? And I'm, I'm fighting that every day. Like I, I am so against this. If it's good for me, then I'm a good guy. And if it's not good for me, then I don't give a shit about anybody. Like that is not good enough. Right. And Americans, we believe that if somebody I believe that if these young players are told they're not playing or they're not good enough or they have to improve, they think, okay, no problem. I'm ready. I'll show it every day. I'm ready to go. What do you need now? Okay, I'll deliver it. You know, that's the mentality. I think that that that's what that that's that's the American grittiness. And so the 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 quality's better. They're coming here younger. The mentality is is strong and the 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 never say die attitude, right? So I believe that that is coalescing so that now we're starting to see more and more opportunities for these young men. And and I think it's it's only going to grow. You know, I mean, listen, there's in there is what's Sergio Dest. That's a little bit different. And, you know, there's always these examples that of guys that have grown up here, have been here for a while and have more parents that are from the U.S. But but we're talking just about the Americans that have moved over here at a young age and are proving themselves. I always give the fist pump when we get uh, the explicit warning. So thanks there. Uh, I I get excited. I get excited when we get. I'll try to behave myself from here. No, no, no. Actually, I like it. Um, (laughs) So. Recently, you told the MLS Extra Time guys that you had spoken to Chelsea manager Frank Lampard last year in preseason, and you said, uh, I could see right away that Lampard's idea of Christian Pulisic was shaped a lot by the fact he was American and not that his football education came a lot from what has happened in Germany. Since then, I think Lampard has learned that Pulisic is a lot better than he gave him credit for. This got this quote got some attention. Were you surprised by the amount of attention your quote got at the time? Yes, yes, and and you know I, I, it, it was wrong of me to say that because I Frank said it in his press conference. He said uh, Jesse, I don't know how Jesse could read my mind. He's right. I could absolutely be wrong about my interpretation of that conversation, but the the story wasn't an indictment of Frank. It was a description of what young American players go through here, that even a player like Christian Pulisic, in my mind, still has to fight his way, okay? Now, I think Frank Lampard handled it well, and I'm sorry that I put that kind of stress on him, but in the end, I do believe that the American players have to fight more for themselves, that they... The pedigree uh, still matters, especially in, in the higher leagues and in the bigger clubs, I hope that we will, again, I hope that uh, I'm sure that a guy like Christian Pulisic will help break down those barriers. I'm sure that Weston McKinney, he's playing at Juventus now. Tyler Adams scores in the quarterfinals of Champions League, plays, you know, his team is one of the top in Germany. And you're getting more and more examples of, of our players that are playing at big clubs and our regulars and are important and are good players and are proving that American pedigree is growing. Um, but the reality is that we we're, we're, we're still have a lot to fight for. It's okay. Like, none of, no one here is asking for us to be handed anything, right? We all know we have to fight. We all, when we came, there's not one young player that came here or, a, or an American coach that came to Europe and think, oh, now everybody's going to love that I'm here and going to hand out everything to me. No, we know we have to work hard for it, and we're not afraid of that. But that is a reality. I believe that that is a reality. And, it, and again, it's okay. It's okay. 
we're, we're, we're up for it. We're up for the challenge, and we're going to continue to prove that, that we're, we're capable. Over in Germany, the major sports outlet Bild recently reported that you are among three candidates on a short list to become the next Dortmund head coach if they don't extend the contract of Lucien Favre beyond this season, which they haven't yet. How do you approach a report like that in, this is like a, the major daily in Germany. Yeah, so, I mean, um, this is the second time the Sport Build has reported that. The Sport Build has also connected me with Hoffenheim, with Schalke, with, you know, different places. Um, in, in the end, there's a few things. One is, of course, it's a compliment and that people are noticing the work. It, two, it's normal, the coach at Salzburg yeah, is, is usually successful and then people take notice. So this isn't the first time. In fact, it's probably the 10th time. Um, I love working here at Salzburg. It's, a, it's an incredible place to work. I work in the moment. I don't think too much about the future. I always feel like that gets you in trouble. Um, Dortmund is a massive club, right? A massive club. It's one of my favorite places to watch football in the world. Um, you know, there's been no contact between me and the club. Um, so, uh, but in the end, um, my goal to coming to Europe wasn't to be here for two years or to, you know, it was to, to see if I could push this and take myself as long as I could and as far as I could and see how good I could become and to, 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 to challenge myself and to, to see if my version of leadership is, is, can work here. So I appreciate that it's going well. I appreciate that other people appreciate it. With that comes always attention and rumors and, and whatnot. But again, focusing on, on here and now is the best strategy. <laughs> so, so, of course, and- yeah. My next question actually is, is, of course, not on the here and now, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, there are a lot of U.S. soccer fans excited about what you're doing as a coach in Europe. And, and let's assume that, that Greg Berhalter gets the U.S. to the World Cup in 22. Everyone wants to see that happen. Uh, U.S. fans seem to be torn over wanting to see you go as high as possible in European club soccer and wanting to see you coaching the U.S. in the next cycle that includes co-hosting World Cup 26. It's fair to say that you want to coach the U.S. men's national team at some point, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, this isn't the first time. Even when I was a young coach, I would think about, man, it would be great to have three of me and pursue three different career paths. You know, one in MLS, one in, um, one in like a youth national team, and one in college you know, because there's a lot of things about college sports that I find really, really fascinating. The working with a ton of other coaches from other sports, working with young men, mentoring them in their lives and, and helping them grow as people. Youth national teams, obviously, you can potentially make a bigger impact on development in some of the, you know, in something like what Bradenton was or than you can even in a professional setting. Um, and then as a professional, you know, wanting to take it to the highest level that I possibly can. And there's, there's still some of that. Like, I, you know, if I ever had the chance to go to the national team, yes, I would love to. 
do I want to try to stay here in Europe and try to, to push myself as to the limits that I possibly can from language, from culture, from high football champions league? Of course. Um, you know, do I want to retire and go live on a beach? Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, that's sort of a joke, but in the end, you know, I, I don't know, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, it, if I'm lucky enough to have these kinds of opportunities, my, my goodness, that would be amazing, right? Um, but right now, I'm so, uh, like, it's so lucky. I mean, without Red Bull, where would I be? You know, ask yourself that. Like, I do it, like, I know what Red Bull's meant to me and my loyalty to this, this, this organization and the idea of what we're doing is, is so strong. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved in such a thing, but obviously the idea of coaching the national team and, and ever having that opportunity and representing the country would be absolutely amazing. Do you think because the U.S. is co-hosting the World Cup in 26 that the U.S. men's job will be even more attractive internationally because of that? I don't know. I can see that argument. Um, I, I look at it more as if that would, if that's the job that you have an actual real opportunity to push for success the way South Korea did in 2002, or, I mean, even look at, you know, our, our, our national team was sort of in its infancy, infancy in 1994. And we were so successful and pushed Brazil to the, to the, in the knockout game to, to, um, you know, all the way. So, that's what I, I strategically I would look at it and say with the player pool and with the opportunity to play at home and, and you can't understate the climate, right? Like European players do not like playing in the hot, humid weather and American players are much more used to it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a very, very, very interesting proposition. And competitively, I think that you would have a really good chance to 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 make some big waves. I recently got asked about who I saw as the next American club coach to go to Europe. And honestly, I had a hard time coming up with anybody. Um, is there anybody whose name you'd throw out there as a possibility for that? Well, you know, let's first, you know, you have to get your UEFA license. To get your way for the license, you have to be sponsored by a, a club team in a certain federation. So there's a lot of this is the this is the tricky part is the hurdles to get to here are a lot more than just being offered a position. Um, U.S. soccer is working diligently with UEFA to upgrade its uh, coaching education so that it's on par with UEFA. And maybe in the future we can create a partnership which would open the door more to the opportunity for coaches to come here. I think there's a lot of my peers that are incredibly good coaches. Um, I think what Greg Berhalter has achieved, he's done a very good job in Columbus, and I, I think he has a plan. Let's see how it goes with the national team. I certainly hope he does well, but he has a plan. I think Greg Vanny's done, done really well, and he's a guy who loves tactics. He loves strategy. I think that what he's built in Toronto has been fantastic. Caleb Porter has been successful in multiple places. Um, at multiple levels, he understands. Uh, he has a good plan. He has a way of working. Peter Vermees, I th I, I, you know, his teams. Uh, Peter uh, has a lot of energy. He's very competitive, and his teams reflect that. And I think that a lot of the things that Kansas City does are, are really quite good. And my good friend Jim Curtin. I, I mean, I, I I saw something that he said that you know going to Europe would be something that he would always like to entertain at some point in his life. 
Jimmy's one of the best guys in the business, right? And I think he's continued to get better and improve and earn his way. And he's for sure coach of the year this year. He won uh, the Supporters' Shield. So I think he's doing incredible things. So, you know, I mean, it's not that the, that we're, that the coaches aren't good enough. It's more what will the opportunity, when will the opportunities come? So that's, that's, that's the question that I think is, it should be, is more relevant than are they capable? Last question for you, Nicole Auerbach's podcast, The Coach's Clubhouse, you were on recently, really good interview. You talked about a lot of the travel you've done over the years, including the year you took off with your family and and kids and went around the world. And you said that you keep track of how many countries you have visited. How many countries have you visited now? What's the goal? Russia will be number 70. We play in Moscow December 1st. Um, I mean, awesome too. You were there for the World Cup. I, I mean, for an American in Moscow, you know, that grew up in the Cold War and everything, I, I'm so intrigued by Moscow. So I'm really, I mean, we have business to do, but just landing in that city and seeing the Kremlin will be, for me, a dream come true. Um, my goal is 100. Um, you know, the, the problem is a lot of the 70 are some of the easier ones to hit. And I'm going to have to start to go to some more remote uh, countries around the world. But, but that's an exciting proposition as well. And, and I'll tell you, the, 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 the best part about it is just you realize how small you are in, in the perspective of the world when you travel, when you meet people, and when you see, I don't know, populations, you see beauty, you see stress, you see desperation, you see wonder. Um, but it, it, it grounds you, I think. And, and I, and I will say it has helped me in my job because we work with so many internationals and I've been to Asian countries. I've seen behaviors of people. I've been to Africa and seen behaviors of people in South America, all over Europe. And, and you, 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 you never want to draw generalizations about people, but if you know a little bit more about their culture, you can at least find ways to communicate and relate a little bit closer and understand in theory in theory, what are some of the possibilities of traits that they might have based on the culture that they, they came from? So, and it's, you know, I mean, I, I also love, I add it to myself, like who I am and what, what I believe and whether it's religions or whether it's, I don't know, food people eat or whatever it is, you know? I mean, it's, it's this, is, this, is, this is the human race that we're, you know, that we are a part of and, and to experience it more and more and, and to, to live it, I think, has is, is helped me a ton in my life. Jesse Marsh is on 69 countries right now, to which we say the obligatory nice. Uh, I got a ways <laughs> to go to catch up uh, to you. Yeah, I told I'm... you, you should count. I told you, <laughs> told you that. Got to get my number together. But yeah. in any case, uh, good luck. Uh, the rest of the way this season, including in Champions League. It's been a lot of fun to to watch what you and your team are doing over there. Thanks so much for joining the show, Jesse. Yeah, Grant. I mean, listen, we've known each other a long time. Off air, I told you um, that, you know, it's amazing what your wife is doing, Celine. And, and, and you know, I mean, obviously the work that's being done by her and by people um, in the U.S. to try to find solutions to this these problems uh, it's it's a big deal. Um, so we're all proud of her. Thanks for having me. I always like coming. You always ask good questions. Sometimes you get me in trouble, but it's okay. All right, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I can You're okay coming that, back so. next week, right? <laughs> <laughs> Take care, buddy. All right. 
Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I can't tell you how much that helps. I'd like to thank Jesse Marsh as well as producer Chris Whittingham. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.